listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 383. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the classic military science fiction series, Stargate SG-1. And I know you don't have access to doing this because uh, you're using the school computer, but I just upgraded to Apple's latest and greatest operating system, Big Sur. So far, so good. It's the first time I've used GarageBand on it, and fingers crossed. Yeah, I always, I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks that we can't really update uh, much of anything on our computer. But on the the other side of that is whatever things get updated, like GarageBand, that there's always that time of uncertainty because you got to get used to the new application now and everything. So, um, so in this way, it's 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 safe and comfortable to not have to up be not being able to update anything. Yeah, I hear you, and, and fortunately, it m- looks more cosmetic than anything. So, uh, again, so far so good. And speaking of so far so good, uh, doesn't look like we jettisoned too many listeners after our political discussion at the end of last week's episode. So that's certainly a good thing. And yeah, and well, we as, don't know yet. We got to see the numbers for next week. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so Mike, make sure we're doing okay in the eighteen to thirty-five range. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Now, of course, as Michael said in the Facebook group, he actually enjoyed it. So, yeah, maybe a few other people did as well. It's not something we did because we enjoyed it, just because we kind of had to. But anyway. Yeah, you can keep saying we there. That's fine. But, you know. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Me. All right. Anyway, uh, but the, dude, come on. I'm still, like, coping with the severe loss from last night. Oh, what the God. hell? Dude. <laughs> Oh my! And, and we're not talking about politics anymore. We're now we're talking about the Ravens, and that was a very upsetting performance. Right. Of course, now half the audience is saying, uh, "Go ahead and talk about politics. We we don't want to hear yeah. football." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was, I think this is hard to process uh, when the Ravens lose than uh, than anything else. So. But, uh, well, we'll work through it. Still, play football left, Dave. Yeah, and well, we may be working through it the next couple of weeks looking at the schedule, but that's, you know, down the road. Um, now, what I am watching this week, I was sitting on the couch. My wife had fallen asleep early, which, you know, we have weird sleeping patterns and habits, but I couldn't figure out what I wanted to watch. So I decided. I'm going to rewatch season 11 of the X-Files, which is the last season. And I know you okay. never watched it and yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm certainly digging it. it. It takes some getting used to how much older Duchovny and Gillian Anderson look because it, it, it just seems like yesterday that I was watching them in 1993 and season one, but sure. uh, they're still great. But the other show I'm watching is the Danish political drama Borgen on Netflix. Uh, I'll butcher the actress's name. Sidsi Babbitt Knudsen is the lead character, but you know her as Teresa Cullen in Westworld. Oh. You remember her? The uh, Nope. She she was the woman that was in charge of the park. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. She had that slight accent. She was having an affair with Bernard. Yeah, and she smoked an awful lot. Exactly, right. So (laughs) she's the lead character in this. Oh, cool. She's good. 
Yeah. And, you know, on the one hand, we were both a little reticent to pick up a political drama, but it's really good. Really good. She's the prime minister. And uh, yeah, so far, it's really pretty cool. So what are you watching? Um, You know, I didn't I haven't picked up anything uh, new uh, this week. But uh, you know, the Mandalorian most recent episode, I don't know, have you read anything about it or seen anything? Not really, other than apparently the episode was really dark or, or it had horror elements in it. Did I read? I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe I no, misread I it. Think maybe. Okay. <laughs> I right. thought well, you anyway. might hear about it because Katie Sackhoff was in it. Oh, okay. And she plays a character that, I, see, I am... All right, here, I, I need to, uh, this story will be quick, but just basically when my sons who are, my one son turns 18 in two days and my oldest son is 20. So when they were young guys, when Clone Wars f- first came out, uh, I watched it with them, probably like seasons one and two. And then after that, I guess they probably watched it on their own. They were a little bit older, you know, so they started going down the basement, playing video games, watching things on their own and everything. So I kind of uh, lost the thread after that. And so now I'm going back and I started watching season one again. But so the, this, the reason I'm saying that is I didn't know who Katie Sackhoff's character was, even though apparently she's a pretty big character in the Clone Wars and that had I seen Clone Wars, I would totally know who she was. And I guess she okay. actually did the voice of the character in Clone Wars as well. Okay. But she was really good. I mean, obviously, it's Kate Sackhoff. I mean, come on, you know. She was great. Uh, really good episode. Uh, there was some controversy last week. Maybe that's what you uh, heard about. There was, uh, there was. A, I, I don't know if this was serious or not. Still trying to find these people to be ironic. But they tried to cancel Baby Yoda. I don't know what that means. But You'll know, oh, cancel. It, I, I, from, again, I'm, I might not be getting it right here. But it means like. Uh, uh, you go online and start like this big movement to for that person to uh, for everyone to like drop and not follow that person. Okay, or, or, or try to get that person that. fired or whatever. Okay, um, so so yeah, so I, I I imagine it was a you know not entirely serious, but apparently some people were upset with some of the things that happened uh, in last week's episode. But anything else? No, that's it. So, like okay. I said, oh, well, his dark materials. Actually, oh, that's right. I went back and watched season one of his dark materials um, again. So just in, in ready because tonight is the uh, premiere, as Fred will talk about. He's already seen episode one. So, um, so yeah, and that, and that show. I mean, we've we've talked about. It. It's a great show. Uh, it's really. I'm, I'm psyched for uh, the the new season. Yeah, I am too. So. All right, well, why don't we get to some Stargate, episode 105, The First Commandment, written by Robert C. Cooper, who ended up writing a lot of episodes in the Stargate franchise, directed by Dennis Barry, who directed 102. This one aired August 22nd, 1997. You know, in my initial thoughts category, uh, I want to touch base just real briefly with, with the four main characters, but even before we get that... I want to go to the end. What happens to Baker? Baker was Hanson's number one. Right. I mean, we don't see him going back through the gate with Stargate SG-1. 
he didn't go into the gate and get killed because the iris was closed. So did they just forget about Baker? Is he going <laughs> to take over as a hair leader? Yeah. Don't, may, don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, um, I, you know. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. I don't know if but, I, I really paid no, made note of that. Okay. But the other thing that strikes me is how long the writers can sustain the they see us as gods theme. I mean, here they they borrow fairly generously from the Wizard of Oz as as a motif, and, and that's cool because he sort of is a cross between some sort of biblical god, and, and of course he's carrying around the Bible. But you know, I know Jack in particular makes several Wizard of Oz references, and, and he does sort of come across as that kind of a an individual. Did did you see any of that? I mean, did did you think about how long they can carry this on? Um, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily think about that per se, but I mean, now that you mention, I mean, obviously it's a big theme of the early season, which you can understand because that is like a, a big theme with the, the Goa Wold, right? Yeah, the the fact how they are just you know they are regular biological creatures that that push themselves, present themselves as gods. Uh, and so contrasting, you know, we've mentioned before the direct contrast we see between the, the SG team and the gold. So, um, so yeah, I, but you're right. I mean, the, if they play off it too much, they could you know, potentially run it into the ground. So to yeah. speak. Yeah. Right. So, and, and, yeah. And as I've said, <laughs> I've watched the, entire run but i don't remember these are all brand new episodes for me which i think i think is is good and and you know f- even though you've never seen any of them and i'm claiming to not remember anything you know there are some broad plot points that that are still kind of vaguely with me but you know we get a little bit of background on the characters i mean i mean really to a certain extent these have all been action mission oriented episodes rather Mm -hmm. than character development and and again that's fine we don't we don't see cheyenne mountain at all right we get the cold open when yeah roger cross dude roger cross he's everywhere now this had to be one of his first roles. I, I forgot to go back and look at uh, IMDb, but 1997. Although he was in an X Files episode way back when. I mean, he he was an FBI agent that was like hiding under a tractor trailer or something. He didn't have much of a part, but mm-hmm. um, but he was pretty you know central to this story. And you know, he. I mean, he was awesome. Look, he was Roger Cross. And I loved the, it wasn't even so much banter between Teal'c and his character. Who was cooler? Teal'c or Roger Cross? Oh, that's, that's, a t- I, I can't, I can't make that, that call. Um, I just to let you know, I did go, first of all, Roger Cross might have the longest IMDb page in the history of the world, but it looks like his first gig was student on 21 Jump Street in 1989. Oh, how cool is that? <laughs> and right. uh, so and he's got, there's quite a bit he had, uh, you can see he, where he gets 
there's still like paramedic and guard, but he's got, you know, ones where his character actually has a name. Let's see. He was in G.I. Joe Extreme oh, from 1995 okay. to 1996. Wow. Well, yeah, so, I would say X-Files, he was probably around 90. Four ninety five. I don't know. You got it there. I'm not even sure if it was just the one, the one off or not. But uh, you know, in in terms of Carter, I mean, we get a little bit of backstory here that she was engaged at one time to Hanson. Which I don't know about you, but once we are introduced to Hanson, in, in fact, I forget which character says to her, "What did you see in him?" Yeah. I, what did she say? I mean, yeah. talk about total opposites. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's not a bad looking dude, you know? So, well, and that's, I guess, the thing you get a character like Carter, at least the Carter that's been presented to us thus far, uh, you know, other than the anomaly when she's, you know, under the influence in the locker room with O'Neill, which, of course, I mean, we could say, you know, that was her, that was, you know, in her subconscious that clearly she was attracted to o'neill and maybe still is but but she seems pretty straight laced in in terms of her behavior so is this a case of falling for the bad boy when you're the good girl um yeah i guess we could we could put off on that or or, you know just yeah i mean she maybe she just has kind of a wild side to her you know we kind of saw a little bit of that already and so well yeah and and you know, she even admits that she has a soft spot for the lunatic fringe. So maybe he's not the first guy that she's gone out with that was like this. I mean, I mean, she is the science slash machinery savant. And, and you know, that that's why he he knew she would come with SG-1 eventually because he knew she'd be able to figure out how to, you know, activate this machine and and you know we always talk about the science aspect and, and how jack is still coming to terms with it and you know on the one hand daniel jackson's science is archaeology whereas sam's science is hard science so you know I, I i guess we see that out of her but it's also the second week that we see o'neill have a heart to heart with her i think i mentioned last week that we're seeing the more serious side of O'Neill than I really expected to see. I mean, yeah, he gets his lines in, but you know, that, that little conversation they have at the end about her decision to not kill Hanson, I think is pretty, pretty telling for, for him, especially. I mean, do you think he's grooming her since, you know, on the one hand, she's sort of out of her depth still, I mean, we don't get the idea that she's had a lot of field work before SG-1. Right, right. Um, I, I don't necessarily feel like he's grooming her, more so that I think, as we've said before, he's just a really good leader and knows, like, you know, is attentive to, you know, what, what his team uh, needs, right? Okay. And And, and he knows that... You know that she's upset because of um, you know not shooting Hanson, um, and, and you know so he just you know wants to tell her that it's okay. 
you know that that uh that you know not to be upset that she chose not to kill somebody well yeah and and this team is evolving before our eyes and and i've mentioned through a lot of shows that we've done over the years that i'm not a huge fan of the underlings disobeying direct orders sure (laughs) but in this episode okay i want you to go back through the gate no no (laughs) and i think he tells uh Roger Cross's uh, character, Connor, same thing. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. Does it say Colonel anywhere on my uniform? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was which was a great line. Sure. But, I, I, he's right. You know, like, I mean, ultimately, I guess, obviously, it's, it's better that they have all hands on deck like they had because everyone does play a part. But on the other hand, like, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is the military still. He is the commanding officer. He gave a direct order. You don't say no to that, you know. Well, I love when he he comes back from his recon mission and he's talking to Teal'c and Daniel and he notices Carter's missing and you see Daniel trying to explain. He can't get the words out. And Jack's like, OK, never mind. Okay. <laughs> like, so, you know, I, I, I get it. And we understand Carter wanted to go and, and save the young woman who was about to be raped in, in, in that previous episode and here the the young man who's being physically abused by Baker but you have to then go back to uh, Mr. Spock sometimes the needs of the many outweigh the oh, needs of the few I didn't see that one coming nice the one. needs of the one and yeah. you know I I think Sam has to has to learn that and Jackson also but I guess it might take him a little bit longer. Right. Teal'c, on the other hand, his Jaffa warrior mode seems to be smoothly adapting to sure. life sure. on SG-1. Well, there's one thing, just kind of going back to what we said about them not following the orders. Right after I spoke, I thought, well, the, the other hand, the other side of that, and it kind of shows that that even though this is a military operation, that this this, this team has kind of maybe transcends that now, you know, like that they have that familiarity with one another supersedes the formalities of, of the, you know, the, the um, straight military system. Yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of it, I think, because Jack understands that and seems to accept it. He, he's got the trust in Jackson, in Carter, in Teal that if they disobey a direct order, they had a good reason. He hears out the reason and then, you know, he is either going to reprimand them or say, out a boy, out a girl. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so far things have have worked out. So, you know, we've talked about the fact that there are other SG teams out there. So this one's all about, finding out what the hell happened to SG nine. And, you know, you know, we get that cold open when Roger cross and, and uh, Frakes are running from a group of primitive Indians. And we're thinking like, okay, uh, you know, we had Neanderthals or you know, whatever they were before. So, all right, here, here we go. (laughs) And it made me think of uh, the end of uh, continuum. Do you remember when, uh, Oh God, what the heck was this? Kellogg got, 
set through time and he's uh, in the middle of a woods and, and there are, you know, it's like he's been sent back to, you know, 800 or 900 and it's, you know, the Aztecs or whoever are after him. But you start thinking about that and I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden a couple of them have guns and we figure, okay, yeah. what's going on here? Right. You know, we see their SG patches and all right. But the thing that struck me as odd, I, I think it's Connor that says, you know, well, we were here four weeks and then, so what's up with that? Uh, I mean, were they there four weeks because Hansen was, you know, putting together his little society here or was their mission an extended mission that we haven't seen because SG one, it's like one day you're in next day you're out and you're back at Cheyenne mountain. So I'm wondering about that. Oh, right. Because it did it so far. It has seemed like the nature of the SG missions are like reconnaissance missions. Right. And yeah, and they don't seem like they're at all meant to last for any extended length of time. Um, so I would tend to say that, you know, Hanson got there and was like, you know what? I'm going to hang out for a little bit. Well, you wonder, did he send word back to General Hammond that, you know, I found the civilization. We're going to try to help them move in the right direction. Did he know all the right things to say? And if he did, you know, why did it take Connor so long and Frakes, who ends up uh, getting killed and then his body burned you know why did it take them so long to try to get away i mean you you can't make me believe they couldn't have gotten to the stargate you know he knows the codes and i and i guess i missed it the first time what sends the alarm that causes hammond to send sg1 to look is that i guess roger cross's character punches in the seven digit code and then the code to open the iris, but then nobody came through. Right. So that's what triggers SG one. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't. I was confused by that actually at first. Of, of because when we first saw Roger Cross, we were thinking, oh, he's trying to escape, but he doesn't. Right now, you know what the Goldilocks zone is, right? Uh, nope. Okay, so as astronomers are out in real life, as astronomers are searching, you know, the universe, searching the galaxy for potentially habitable planets, the Goldilocks zone is, okay, it's not too cold, it's not too hot, that it's a possibility. And of course, what they're looking for, the key element is is liquid water, but we learn from Teal'c, and this is a pretty important piece of information, that the Gaold have been terraforming planets for centuries, which, okay, it's a nice detail, which is going to explain how they find so many planets that are Earth-like, that have breathable air, etc. Yeah, I thought um, the next thing he was going to say is they've also been teaching everyone the planets English, too. Yeah, well, you mentioned that before, and that's a valid. Um, <laughs> Sam, one of the first things she mentions, though, there are no birds. And then that's kind of it. I, I am kind of at a loss to whether or not that's important or not. I mean, this is a terraformed planet. 
Um, there are people on it. We didn't see any animals. Doesn't mean there aren't any, but yeah. you know, it was a mining planet, so maybe the guy old figured there's no reason to have animals. Although usually you have animals to do work or provide food, right? So you know, again, it never comes up later, so. Yeah, well, I, mean, I feel like, and, and I, you know, jokingly talk about how everyone speaks English because obviously they're just falling back on the the Star Wars kind of, uh, you know, uh, way of doing it, where it's just wherever they go in the universe, there's no issue with communication, which is fine. Obviously, if they'd have to every week figure out how to communicate with the people, just like Star Trek, right? They just do. If, if every week we have to have the the main characters figure out how they're going to communicate with with the people that they meet we're going to spend half the show doing that and it's going to that's boring right so right everyone speaks english don't don't question so i think there's just other things kind of like that like just like just go with your just suspend that disbelief for a little bit and just roll with it and let us tell the story you know or because we do know that that these humans on each of these planets were kidnapped from earth supposedly and and then brought through the stargate to act and work as slaves so i guess the gaul just went to english-speaking countries and yeah, yeah that's a good explanation that but could uh, be as well, yeah no, I mean, um, obviously i don't i don't really think too much about it and honestly if i hadn't watched the movie i probably wouldn't even be asking that question at all but just because the the movie makes such a big deal out of them trying to figure out how to communicate you know um, yeah. But you know it's it's fine. It's it's you know I would much rather they just had everyone speaking English and not really discuss how that's happening, rather than every episode having some lengthy scene where we try to figure out how they can communicate with one another. Oh my god, I'm thinking about the X Files, the first episode of season eleven. I'm thinking like, oh my god, Wayne would be having a heart attack. It was so much voiceover at the beginning oh, no. you couldn't even imagine oh, but uh <laughs> but but you know the other thing about sg9 and and their mission and, and you know we mentioned that that apparently they've been there at least four weeks as to why was it to study the culture and 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 again if if them why not sg1 but you know sg1 we we understand they're the main team uh, we do learn that apparently every team has an archaeologist like Daniel. So, and and again, that makes sense. Although I'm still waiting, it's still somewhat problematic for me that Jackson doesn't carry a weapon. With a team of only four going mm-hmm. into these places where, you know, the the machine, the MALP can only tell you so much. It can't really tell you how violent or nonviolent the people are going to be if, in fact, there are people. So, you know, we'll see if, you know, if that turns around a little bit. But I don't know. It's still a little bit problematic for me that SG9, that, that they just let this guy run roughshod over them and, you know, es- essentially bully them into staying because as I can't remember who points it out, whether it's Sam or O'Neill, you know, it's like an astronaut, you know, 
you're not going to get an astronaut up in space and he's going to then or she's going to start freaking out because they're in an enclosed environment. They've been trained for that, right? They've been psychologically tested for that. And you would think the Stargate teams have as well. So how did he get past it? I definitely did not like the explanation. Well, I guess he did so many black ops missions that it had an effect. Uh, No, because if that's true, then they would have never accepted him. I can't imagine they had a difficult time finding people to volunteer for the uh, SG teams, you know? Right, right. Um, I, I mean, yeah, they, 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 they suggest also that in another scene that special ops tend to have people who have more extreme personality types. Um, so and I yeah, get that. Right. Well, I, I don't think any of their explanations really are, are, are super great. Uh, again, yeah, and I think once we meet Hanson, I think we, we're not so much worried about how this happened or why this happened as, as far as what's going to happen now, you know? Okay. Well, let's talk about Hanson for a second, because one of the questions that still plagues me, do you think at the beginning his intentions were good? Yeah, it certainly seems like it, right? I mean, of course, I'm sure even Hitler like went to bed at night thinking I'm doing the right thing here, you know? Well, maybe not him, but you know. But I mean, you get it. Like every, even the the bad guys are probably have some way to justify their actions, at least to themselves. You know, there, there certainly was a point there where I felt like, um, at first, you know, Hanson's, you know, when he tells, I guess it's it's Jack. I can't remember if he tells Jack or or Sam that um, you know originally it was you know, that they have limited space in which to live and these people keep reproducing. So they needed to, you know, they need to mine out places where the, the people can live. So they're not overcrowded. So, so, you know, maybe at first, yeah, he was, didn't right away go to, oh, I can totally be a God here, you know? Right. Because we've got this intense solar radiation to deal with, which is, of course, why we see the SG-1 team applying liberal amounts of sunblock at the beginning. They've all got sunglasses. And we see, though, even Hansen's team, they're relatively sunburned, and I guess maybe they ran out of sunblock or, or what. But, yeah, like you said, he, he he's talking as if he's trying to give these people a better life. And at this point, because of the solar radiation, they have become cave dwellers. We're building a civilization. There are going to be sacrifices. Well, okay, you know, on the one hand, that's a reasonable statement to make. But, uh, of course, as you allude, you know, even – and again, I – we we certainly don't mean to defend Hitler by any stretch, but but he he got the people behind him – by actually doing things for them at the beginning. And then, of course, he, I mean, you could argue he went off the rails at the beginning, and there's a lot of, you know, we don't want to start talking about it. Yeah. I'll just 19- say, like, like every, no, no, I agree every despot thinks that they're doing the right thing. You know, right. like, and, and that's the excuse, right? Well, sometimes you got to sacrifice to make things happen, right? To do, to do good, you have to, you have to break a couple, you can't make it on without bringing a couple eggs, right? 
and so as you said, Hanson, I think pretty even if at first his intentions were altruistic or or, or you know not completely self serving, you know, we see that by this point in time they definitely are. Oh yeah, and, and he, I think, even recognizes this in himself because when Carter shows up, he tells her, I knew you'd eventually come healer of the emotionally wounded. So this is not his first break from acceptable social behavior. You know, maybe this is much more extreme than it's ever been before, but he seems to recognize. And of course that leads her to pull the gun on him, dares her to shoot him. Don't make me do this. I think we know all along, she's not going to shoot him. I half expected her to fire a shot into the air just to get his attention but you know this this guy's he wouldn't even have noticed i don't think right yeah absolutely not you know that 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 scene made me think because we've seen this before right the 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 good-hearted person who doesn't have it to to pull the trigger right is 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 at first how i kind of took it um because i thought you know, I know that Sam is not going to shoot. Would I think that if Jack were the person holding the gun? And in that case, I think I think Jack would probably shoot. You know, well, um, well, you know. Go ahead. No, and I was just saying that I didn't know if I really liked that that they made Sam seem weak, and they, you know, and she's a woman, so they made her seem weak because she wouldn't pull the trigger. But of course, in the end, Jack's like, "It's good that you didn't do that." And so, you know, that, that her not pulling the trigger uh, turns out to be her strength rather than the weakness. Well, yeah. And, you know, I also noticed Jack, when he sees one of the dead civilians, it, it does seem to have a, a, an impact on him. And, you know, this whole idea of us going into these foreign planets that, you know, this is somebody else's planet we don't want to kill anybody. I mean, we don't want to kill anybody anyway, but, but yeah, that, that conversation that we mentioned there at the end, I, I guess I think the importance of that scene though, makes Sam recognize that there may end up being situations where I do need to pull the trigger because if I pull the trigger, other people will be saved. So is one death to save dozens, hundreds, thousands is that an acceptable act? And there's no good answer. But no. as Jack tells her, you know, every time you do it, it puts you one step closer to being like Hanson. And again, maybe that's an extreme statement on his part, but I, I, I think it, it it certainly came at the right time for her, for sure. Yeah, and that circles back to what we were saying is, you know, why does he say it? And he says it because he knows that's what his teammate needs to hear i mean these people need a leader so i i love you know we we get the scene when jack and jamal switch clothes and the young man is wearing you know the sg outfit and it seems as if he maybe will become the leader despite his youth uh, of these people but you know and, and again like you were saying you, you can't explain everything so are these people going to learn how to grow their own food? Do they know how to do it now? I mean, what is it they're eating? Well, I mean, and, they, they were there before 
like Hanson's team got there, right? So right, right. We assume that they were pretty self-sustaining uh, in in the past. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. And and yes, as as he says, they're just running out of space because they're living in caves. And of course, that begs the question: whatever was being mined there, did they mine it out? Or for whatever reason, did the Gaul just decide it wasn't worth it anymore and, and abandon? And apparently that's what they do. They just abandon a planet, abandon the people they brought there, and hey, you're on your own now. So, mm-hmm. which, you know, not surprising given right. what we know of the Gaul. But uh, very irresponsible. Uh, yeah. And, and then I, I think we knew it was coming when Hansen is, is telling Sam what his plans are and why he's doing what he's doing. And we certainly get the impression he's not going to let her leave. I thought he was going to say, I'll have you become my queen, but goddess seemed more appropriate given that he sees himself as a God. So, okay. I don't think that's going to happen. But the other thing you know, you said about treating her like a female, did you notice she got slugged again? I mean, I mean, this whole idea of women being hit is becoming a somewhat uncomfortable circumstance. But I guess I started thinking the second time I watched this one, all right, I don't like the idea of Sam getting hit because she's a woman, but she's a soldier. Soldiers get hit. So on the one hand, at least with her, it shows her more as an equal rather than a woman. I mean, you know, she is a woman and I'm sure that idea, that side of her personality will get explored at some point down the road. But, but for now, I guess I'm justifying her getting slugged as I I guess signifying that she's the same as the men. They get slugged and we don't think anything of it. Sure. And, and she is a, a threat, right? Yeah, She's absolutely. Not a, a helpless little puppy. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, she slugs uh I don't know, was that Baker, I guess. Yeah. She's like, oh, that felt good. <laughs> and, and and she knew what she was doing. She she basically then slugged him and then surrendered. Because right. I think we get the idea she might have been able to put up a better fight, although to be fair, she was getting surrounded by um, you know, the followers and Right, and, and the, the plan, well, her plan at least was anyway to get captured because she wanted to be face to face with Hanson. Right, right, and, and then we get that great final showdown. Hanson spouting his god nonsense. We thought he was going to send Connor and Jack back through the gate, and, and he was. He just didn't plan to open the iris, and I wonder. And, and honestly, I don't remember whether we ever see what happens to somebody that goes through the gate when the iris is closed. No, we just, we just hear the, the grotesque <laughs> crunching of bones. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, and then it was kind of cool there at the end, you know, how they activate the two devices and then, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the we're, we're left with that final exchange between Sam and Jack that we were talking about, about the idea of, of killing another human being. And, you know, whether or not this is going to be a recurring theme, I suspect it probably will, hopefully not to the extent that, uh, you know, the, oh, 
you guys are gods theme. So uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, what else you want to bring up that we didn't talk about? Uh, so well, far? I just now we're talking about that last conversation. I like how because it is called the first commandment, and you know I went to enough CCD classes in my day to to at least be able to get. Uh, I can I can I think I can go at least five six deep into the Ten Commandments before I start getting them mixed up. But you know the first one is you know I am the Lord thy God. You shall have no other gods before me. And um, you know when at the end Jack is like. Well, you know the the first commandment, and you know he's thinking, "Thou shalt not kill." So, as, you know, you know when he tells Sam, you know there is that first commandment, and she and she says, "Well, they actually is." He's like, "Okay, well, it's not the first. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was a, a clever lie because obviously that. Well, I don't know, obviously, but you know that commandment is in my head basically the entire episode because obviously Hanson sets himself up as a god and and ultimately is is punished so there is that that theme of of hubris in this and the you know the the proud are always punished we definitely see that so that's why i liked this episode uh maybe a little bit more than the others except for episode one uh because i think we finally had like a really good bad guy and not like a caricature that we saw in like episode three, but a, a guy who, you know, I mean, like even I think in our discussion, say what you will about Hanson, that he had enough, you know, nuance to him to, to seem like, like a real guy. You know, he wasn't like this a hundred percent raving spouting lunatic, um, you know, and we didn't, they, they said he was crazy, but, he didn't necessarily seem really all that crazy all the time. So I thought like it's finally gave us like a, a, a really good, you know, nemesis here for the team uh, as, as a, you know, a character that could be their good nemesis for them. Well, right. Because as you said, I mean, the, the nuance about whether or not he really did want to help these people make a new life for themselves. And, and, and obviously as you said, virtually every despot begins that way, and he's got them building a temple. Is there some reason he's having them build the temple, or is it simply his megalomania that that is forcing them to do that, and he's willing to send as many men and women to their deaths as need be to get this done, or is there some other reason? But yeah, as you said, I, th- I think... The hubris is what really stands out about his character, but it also, and you mentioning it just now, makes me think about the characters on the SG teams not following orders because they think they know better. So I wonder, will that sort of an idea get explored because again, you know, we're, we're, we're slowly getting to know these characters and- Look, it's a sci-fi show. It's a sci-fi. It's a military drama. We know there's going to be a significant amount of action each week, at least to this point. So we get that. And, and you know, we got some some character development here. I, I, and like you, I really like this episode. I'm not sure what grade I want to give it yet. Uh, do you want to bring anything else up before we talk about grades? Well, just uh, one more thing. It's just the, those uh, drawings that TL makes um oh, yeah it's like like i think even someone says they're good i'm like um 
you know, it, it's they're not very detailed, but uh, I guess in a pinch he he did an okay job. But it's just funny that I thought it was hilarious that the the, the drawings that he makes. So yeah, that was Jamal. Nice drawings, dude. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, why don't we uh, hear what Fred's got for us? We'll come back and we'll end up with uh, some grades. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG-1 Season 1, Episode 5. First off, what am I watching? Of course, I'm watching Star Trek Discovery. I watch Next which unfortunately already has announced not to get a second season. I talked about it previously, which is about a artificial intelligence, an AI that's going rogue. Of course, watching, as Wayne does, The Mandalorian. And I'm looking very much forward to the rest of the second season of His Dark Materials. Why do I say the rest? Because for once I could see a episode of a series earlier than you in the United States, because it's uh, broadcasted in England earlier. His Dark Material second season will start on the 16th of November in the US, but I already saw the first episode of season two, and it is as good as the whole first season Of course, I won't say anything more because that would be quite spoilery. But what I did do is with a bunch of people that are contributors to the Elitiometer podcast do a roundtable last week with seven people and it was so nice. And even one of the contributors said, I'm so locked down in my house due to the COVID pandemic. It's so nice just to talk to friends about some uh, movie in this case or series, etc., I will post the link on the Facebook page to that roundtable discussion. So if you're interested in his dark materials and you also want to watch the 2007 movie, then it's perhaps a nice podcast to listen to. Last podcast, Dave and Wayne really broke, or actually Dave mainly, broke their tradition of not talking too much about politics in eight or nine years of podcasting. And now talked for 10 minutes about the American elections and American politics. Uh, I also made a remark, but said nothing. I wanted to behave civil, as, as Dave said, not talking about politics if you don't have a political podcast. But Dave allowed me to say something as a reaction to their discussion last time. So for once, I also will say something about my ideas about American politics. But I will keep that for last. And I'm doing that especially because Dave said. All right. Well, Fred also brings up the U.S. election. And we talked last week about, um, you know, it was the eve of the U.S. presidential election. I mean, he, he doesn't come out right out and say this, but I know this is what he means. And I'm always fascinated by this question about how we are perceived around the world. Okay. Now, shortly about the fifth episode of Stargate SG-1. This episode was, again, a little better than the previous two ones, and certainly than the third one. And actually, I can be quite short. It's just that this Jonas guy, who was from Earth and was playing a kind of god there in this primitive world, he said, all for the people, but it was actually just about himself. He just reminded me of somebody from recent politics, 
I won't call names, but it starts with a T and ends with a P, and that makes a nice bridge to my last topic. Yesterday, my wife and I were 22 years together, and I have to say, we never discussed American politics more than in the last four years, and especially the last few weeks. You said... And, you know, we've said we don't get political. Well, okay, we're going to get political for a couple of minutes. So personally, for me, it's I've been holding a a lot in for a while. So, you know, that said now, let it go, Dave. Well, that's actually true for me as well. But I respect your podcast being non-political. Yeah, I guess this has been eight or nine years coming, right, that we've been doing yeah. the podcast. And, and we, yeah, we haven't really yet gone there at all. So. Yeah. Okay, let's take the first one. If you vote for Joe Biden, then the end of civilization as we know it has arrived. And we'll be calling each other comrade. So, yeah. Fortunately, I noticed the irony in your voice, Dave. But for me, as a European in a multi-party society with very left-wing parties, very right-wing parties, it's just ridiculous to call somebody like Joe Biden a socialist. And it's, it's incredible for us, or at least for me, Biden and Trump are quite right-wing, period, And coming from a multi-party society, this two-party capitalistic system is almost impossible to be somehow socialistic. The one party just takes a little bit more responsibility for his whole population than the other party. But that's about it. I'm coming from a country where everybody has health care. Of course our taxes are higher. But nobody has to worry about his health. Are we a socialistic country by that? No. Is everybody earning the same amount of money? No. Are there rich people and poor people? Yes. But we take care of our people. All of them. And of course you also see that in the management of our COVID problems. Do you have to register to get your voting ballots? No. As soon as you're 18, you just get your ballots in the post. Period. Everybody. I know some U.S. states also do it like that. It's just a principle of equal chances and of equality. And the advantage of a multi-party system is, of course, that you do have to discuss with each other. You have to form a government with two or three parties. You just cannot polarize that much. And I don't like it, but I do understand the idea America first and the Europeans should be more on their own legs and they should spend more money on their own defense instead of leaning on the American taxpayer. I can understand that. But withdrawing from all kinds of environmental accords, etc., we have a responsibility as a whole world. And of course, there are countries that are not doing what they should do but this kind of thing starts always with yourself if you don't start nobody will and one last thing and that's perhaps even true for you dave is that i can understand that you are republican and that you still vote republican but that you take this guy this trump guy just for granted because there is nobody else at that moment in your party so even if you're hardcore Republican, you have to vote for Trump in this kind of election. But I really hope that a lot of people 
even hardcore Republicans really see what this guy is doing. Putting himself in the front and center of everything, everything he does is perfect instead of taking care of his country. And we see that now. I mean, in these last few weeks, months, he is focusing on having the ballots recounted and everything else instead of being busy with COVID. Even the president-elect is already busy with COVID. There are more important things than Donald Trump in this world. And he is taking away all possibilities to give the Biden administration a good start. Not sharing information, etc., etc. So that he can nicely say later, You see, you shouldn't have voted for these Democrats. They make a chaos of it. And my major amazement is that the American people accept this kind of pure narcissistic behavior. If we have somebody like that in our system, and let's say that party has about 20% of the votes, and somebody behaves like that, they will end up with 10% or even less of the votes. But with a dualistic system, although I know you can have an, an extra party like that Bernie Sanders, it's just not possible. You know, so. I, I, don't, I don't even have to have unity. I just have to have civility. My estimation is that if you want a little more unity, it doesn't have to be perfect. And civility, I think you have a better chance with Joe Biden as a person, loose from the party he is standing for, than a narcissistic person like Trump. Sorry, end of my rant. P.S. And don't forget Pamela Harris in this regard. Sorry, my feedback got a little longer than normal. But as you, I also promise, never talk politics again. For you, it was the first time in eight or nine years. For me, it was the first time in 153 pieces of audio feedback. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, um, you definitely want to check out Fred's participation in the His Dark Materials podcast. I haven't listened to it yet. I mean, I, I heard just the, the intro part of it, but... I'm just so darn afraid of getting spoiled, even though the discussion took place before season two air. I'm like, nah, I just don't want to listen right now. But he sure. put a link in the Facebook group. Um, and then just the only other thing, I, 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 I think it came across, you, you, know, you assured me before we started recording that, that it did, that I was being sarcastic about Biden being a socialist because, of course, he's a moderate. And, and I was taking the other side's view of Biden, which is, of course, completely ridiculous. But uh, yeah. anyway, anything uh, you want to bring up? No, about no, I Fred's just feedback? like it's I, 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 I found Fred's feedback really interesting and, and I liked it um, <clears throat> to give some insight onto how uh, the rest of the world kind of views uh, American politics. And so, yeah, that was uh, that's very, very interesting for me. And, and thank you, Fred, for further your uh, your feedback there all right cool um you know on the one hand i want to go b plus um i wish there was something in between b plus and b <laughs> i think i think we grade up you know like if uh if 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 you're undecided between two scores get, give the kid the higher score you know and so, uh, see now we're now we're talking about grading the uh the ap essays right all right oh, uh, I, I think b plus i, I definitely because i think we went okay. b last week right i think this one was a little bit better than last week's i did too um, yep so. so all right cool 
All right. Um, any final thoughts before we uh, sign out? I don't think so. Okay, cool. Well, it's, you know, I, I'm really enjoying it. We've got a lot of episodes to go. And, and you know, as, as we said to you guys, I don't know if it was last week, it might have, you know, one of these weeks that, uh, you know, we'll keep our eyes out for new shows that, that we might want to do. We still don't know when Ragnarok's coming back, but, um, you know, we'll, We'll see what happens, but that'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. want to thank you guys for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Stargate SG-1. Anything else going on in Sci-Fi TV? Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. If you want to shoot us an email, it's sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. If you want to send us audio feedback the way Fred does, just you know record it, send it as an MP3 and an attachment. We'll be back next week to talk about episode six of Stargate SG-1 titled Cold Lazarus. But until then. Yeah, you know, Dave, uh, here we are at episode 383. And, you know, like doing this once a week, it's it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world, right? And there's sometimes the week where you feel like you're getting really busy. Sometimes you're sick. Sometimes it's just, I don't know, you just don't have the energy really. But then I, I just reach deep down inside me and I just tell myself, my people need me. They believe in me. <laughs>